were singing this song on the shores and I could see Jace's feet and he was standing behind Karen with Tempe and Ariel. He's going with his little feet. <laughs> you guys see? I don't know how I keep it together. Watching these kids sometimes is challenging. What's that? Oh my gosh. It is, it is my greatest reward. Like, I, I just love seeing them. And Micaiah gets in here and different ones. So I know sometimes it's messy, but uh, I, I, still, I still love those guys when they're just, you know, and uh, they, they, feel, they feel the freedom, the spirit, the whatever. And uh, I'm like, let them run a little bit, you know? I'm, that's less distracting than people just watching me do worship. That's, that drives me crazy. Yeah, that's hard. That's what's hard. That's what makes you nervous, you know? <laughs> I feel like, ah, yeah, okay. Um, I was listening to um, Johnny Enlow this week on Elijah Streams. How many of you saw him this week from this week's podcast? Uh, he's just really... Um, you know, you find these people, I love a lot of them. He's really speaking my language, and I love uh, um, just things he shares that really ministers to me and um, speaks in a, in, a, in a different way. I'm trying to get my scripture set here. So he, he's talking with Steve Schultz, and he, he, he begins to share something, and wow, it just, you know, you hear things, and it just activates your, you're like, Whoa, that opens up things. It really opened up things for me. And uh, he was on the subject of, um, I wrote it down. It's, uh, it's not perspective from above. It's, um, I've got it written a couple of places here. Oh, it's probably on another sheet. Oh, here it is. A view from above. And um, <laughs> towards the end of his message, he said, if you find yourself really discouraged at any time, you need to, what you need to do is change your perspective because you're, you're down here looking at everybody's feet. You know, you're, you're down here looking at the situation and you need to get up above, get higher and look down at it and get a bigger, broader perspective. So he begins to talk about Satan, about the enemy and about a greater, the greater plan and uh, that, that he would have. And he makes this statement about Satan's primary goal. Now, we're not always educated about how we talk about Satan. That's, it's kind of funny. You know, the devil made me do it and da-da-da, whatever. We say all kinds of things. But there is a real devil. There is a real, there is a real Satan. There's real satanic forces. And um, he makes this statement. This is what caught me. He said, he doesn't really care how many people go to heaven. That doesn't matter to him. He, he's more interested in depopulating the planet. And then a higher goal than that is to create something between us and God so that God has to take action against us. So his whole coercion of attack it's not even about whether you go to heaven or you don't go to heaven or you live or you don't you know, or you die. It has to do, he hates primarily, what did Jesus say? He'll hate you because he hates me. He hates God. Like 
have you ever run into someone that's consumed with hating somebody? That, that's a really ugly. That's, it's, it's actually hard to see. When you bump into someone that is just seething with hatred towards someone or something, uh, very defiling. And that is Satan. He is seething with hatred towards God. And bless Phyllis's heart, she really studied this book, The Unseen Realm, Michael Heiser, and the things that he, that he shared in that. And uh, she's way ahead of me on researching that. But wow, it, it, was, it was so amazing. And instead of, it, it opens up your perspective of looking at, number one, we always refer to the fall of man, the Garden of Eden, and you know, the serpent deceives Eve, gets her to uh, do something, tells her something about God, da-da-da, and, and she acts. And we, we look at that as the fall of man, but the, actually the Hebrews look at the fall of man and th there are three different major things that happened which really expands your thinking. So it gets you out of just that Sunday school uh, mentality of, of, of what happened in the, in the fall, which that's not wrong, but it, it, even that, we don't understand it. That was such a betrayal. So here's God creating the planet. We, we need this perspective. He creates this planet he creates the man, the woman, the animals. He sets up this Garden of Eden, and he sets a cherubim. He sets a, a watcher over the garden. The problem is, that's the word for snake that we interpret in snake is nakash. I personally don't know that it's an animal as much as it is a nakash, which is an angelic being that is reptilian looking. And that shows up a lot in uh, people that refer to aliens and ex et cetera, et cetera, and the terminology extraterrestrial. Well, you, you have to understand these beings from heaven would be extraterrestrial. And it was such a betrayal for this angel, angelic being, whatever, whatever he was, to have the responsibility of guarding and watching over Adam and Eve. It was like you have something very precious. Your children. You have somebody watch your children. You expect them to carefully, with the best, best intentions at heart, to watch over them, right? If you found they violated something with your children, deceived your children, abused your children, whoa. Especially if they're a trusted person. So for that Nakash to violate this and tempt the woman and create this situation, you have to take a second look. It was really a high-level betrayal in, in heaven's eyes between God. And then in Genesis 6, where the sons of God look down on the, the daughters of men and come down to earth and have relations with them, that was another 
major. We just read it. It's a couple verses in, in chapter 6 of Genesis, and, and we move on. Like, oh, that's weird, you know. And then you have to come face to face with, with the reality. Have you done this with Scripture? I mean, hopefully you have. I, I do too. I still do. When you, when you look at something and go, okay, i got to stop just reading this. I've got to, I've got to, and that passage, Phyllis knows we had lots of talks. I couldn't get my head around the reality of these sons of God coming down and being able to have relations with women, da, da, da. I mean, when you really think about the logistics of it, you go, does it tilt you a little bit? And you have to start to realize these angelic, they're able to change shape. They're able to somehow, they, I mean, this was physical. So these beings from heaven are able to have relations with women like, and just the reality of that, I had a hard time getting my head around it. I'm still not sure I have. But again, these were the sons of God. There's a whole family in heaven that we don't see and talk a lot about. And the level of betrayal is so high. This is huge. And then, the, of course, the Tower of Babel is the third. And we read it and we go, oh, no, 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 they were building a tower and they, God comes and stops them. And, you know, we better stop them. They're, who knows what they're going to do? You know, that kind of, boys will be boys. We better put a stop on this, you know. But, wow, it was so much more. And in that situation, God disinherits the nations and turns them over to other Elohim. He's created everything and everyone. But there are other like him in heaven. There's a family up there that we hardly grasp. And that's why when you look at people of nations, do they not have uniqueness about where they're from? And you go, how did the people of India all have these characteristics, like their behaviors, like there's a, a uniformity about them? The Chinese, the, the Pakistans, the Afghanistans, the, all the different people, the Mexicans, the, the people from wherever, Brazil, there's uniqueness because there are principalities over those that rule. God has this big problem. He comes to a point where he goes, okay, I'm done with that. Like, I know. It's like, this shows something about God. You're like, I don't, where do I put that? He did it in, in, with the children of Israel, didn't he? He comes to a place where I'm done with these people. I'm getting out the big torch. You know, we light our little lamp, you know, a clicker, you know. Well, he has one of those too. He's ready to just torch all of Israel. Moses throws himself in, in between. He goes, no, no, don't do that. Why? Because that will make you look bad. Now, that's a whole nother thing to go. For the sake of God's reputation, Moses throws himself in this intercessory position and says, don't do that. They're waiting to say that about you. They just loved that, and he was right. I don't know if he had any idea how perceptive he was, but these other angelic beings, they would love that. This is Satan. He would love for God to have to come and discipline you. He would love for God to have to, to, to do this and this thing not work. And, and it's like, 
oh my gosh, you start to realize what we're really up against. We, we deal with temptation and things where like, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do this. And you, you start to, you get weak and you fall away and you, you do things. And the enemy, you know, he loves it because it puts you in a position with your, where you're in now in enmity with God. Now, you can repent, you can change, but it creates stuff, doesn't it? There are some things we do that there are, there's just a trail of side effects that go along with it. The aftermath that you have to live with and deal with. And, and, and the enemy loves that. He loves getting you in this position where God has to deal with you. Also, a little while ago, I had this epiphany. We believe our Bibles. We read where the demons ask Jesus, hey, did you come to torment us before our time? So they know what's coming. You go, oh, they know what's coming. There are people that get into evil at such a high level. We're, we're watching that right now in our world. It's a whole nother level. You and I, we have our bad days, and sometimes we act really badly. Okay. We act like my three-year-old grandson. We act really badly. But there are people that choose that. There's no repentance in their actions, and their actions become horrible. Satan is that. Everybody that does that, acts that way, is, he's the father of that. And he, and there, there, there is such a, an obstinance and an arrogance. We're like, you got to know, dude, you're going to lose this battle. You're up against God. Not necessarily. I went, maybe he doesn't believe that. Maybe he believes he still has a fighting chance. Maybe he believes if he can get us screwed up enough, get us in a bad enough position that God himself will have to violate his covenant, his promises, like he, he is, God has put a restraint on himself to not interfere with our will because he's chosen that we would love him and love has to be voluntary. If you control a person, there's not love. A husband that is oppressive, he may have his wife jumping at every click of his finger. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now, the level of love is probably about zero. There's no love in that. that that's why the scripture goes after husbands love your wives. That's, that's why this is such a big deal. And you get into the other cultures, especially around the Bible lands and the Islamic people, you see love for a wife is like, huh? Treat your wife kind? Like they're like, no, I slap my wife around. I need to do that. She needs that. You know, there's like this, you go, we're, you know, our American Christian view, we're like, ah. It's a mindset. God is not like that. He never wants to be that with us. Have you ever not just said, God, why don't you just slap me upside the head? It's like, careful what you ask for. And, and, but mostly he goes, I don't want to do it that way. I want you to choose to follow me. Choose to love me. 
And his big problem is, even when he says, I'm done with you, he just, he's, he's so ridiculously full of grace and mercy, he turns around and comes back and goes out. He is going to inherit the nations. Last verse, and probably a thousand other places in the scriptures, of Psalms 82, the nations are his inheritance. Now, so the God of heaven has this intention of, of the nations are his inheritance. He has no intentions of really losing them, not permanently. And plans and is in the process of redeeming them back to himself. Even though he disinherited them for choosing that Tower of Baal issue as a big choosing something other than him. They knew better, but they chose. It is this, this he, he's so, so willing. And so Satan, his primary goal is to get you, get you in a position where you disqualify yourself. This is why it's such a, an issue when we get offended. These, these things that creep up, we're offended, we're angry, we're, we're bitter, we're all those things. They bring separation. And he's like, I don't care what side of this you're on. Just so, just so you're screwed. Just so you're defiled. Just so you're disqualified. Just so God has to deal with you. You start to get the picture of what's really of what's really at stake here. So that would be his agenda. He he hates God, and his goal is to convince us that God's as God's children that he is neither all good and that he is neither uh, nor all powerful. I've shared this before. Be careful that you're not developing a testimony about not getting a healing or not getting a breakthrough. As you're saying, I'm praying for it. it be careful. Like, just pay attention to what you're doing. Yeah, I prayed for that. I've been praying for 20 years. I've been, you know, and it's like, what's your testimony in that? Well, the God didn't answer me. So, We've got to take some care about how we frame these things. Bless our hearts. We are intrepid. We carry on. But we lose faith. We lose passion. And we start living our lives in a way that are, I'm, I'm still here, aren't I? Still showing up. I'm still married to this guy. I don't like him but anymore, but, you know. I'm still staying at this church. It stinks, but I'm still here. This country's going to hell in a handbasket, but I'm still, I'm an American. I fly my little flag, you know, like. There, we, we, we check out. And, and I'll watch some of the horrible things that I don't have to look anywhere else but right here. And uh, the diseases that have come, they're like, where, where did that come from? I, in, and the shock and, the, and trying to recover, the, the loss of relationships, the broken, the broken things that leave a, a Scar like leave a mark, the loss of life, the loss of loved ones, and you you keep showing up. But what's your condition? So let's look at Luke eighteen. This this chapter. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. One day Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying and never stop or lose hope. He shared with them this illustration or this story. In a certain town, there was a judge, a thick-skinned, godless man who had no fear of others' opinions. 
And there was a poor widow in that town who kept pleading with the judge, grant me justice and protect me against my oppressor. He ignored her pleas for quite some time, but she kept asking. Eventually, he said to himself, this widow keeps annoying me, demanding her rights, and I'm tired of listening to her, even though I'm not a religious man and don't care about the opinions of others. I'll just get her off my back by answering her claims for justice, and I'll rule in her favor, then she'll leave me alone. Just for that reason. Like, get, stop coming, stop bothering me. The Lord continued, did you hear what that ungodly judge did? What he said, that he would answer her persistent request? Don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all of his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? He will pour, look at this, like they cry out, don't you know he'll give you justice? He will pour out his spirit upon them. He will not de delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever experiencing, or ever expecting, just like the widow who was with the judge, yet, and this is a haunting verse, bothered me all of my life. Still does concern me. Yet when the Son of Man comes back, will he find this kind of persistent faithfulness in people? Will he find faith on the earth? I would read that through my life. I'd bump into this verse, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, whoa. Whoa. Find that. Have you ever looked at something you go, inconceivable? How could you, how could it be that Jesus would come back and not find faith on the earth? Well, this is how. Stuff happens, disappointments happen, offenses come, things things take place with us that we we've kind of pushed on we still come to church we're still you know we're still doing the things but our passion's gone our hearts broken we've not gotten healed we've not overcome that thing and, and something in us died or carrying on and that's satan's goal That sums it up. That's his goal. Have you ever thought about this? We're on the earth. We're on the planet. We're here. We're always dreaming about heaven and talking about heaven. And angels are cool and da-da-da-da-da, right? Cat Kerr is like really, you know, charging away at this. How wonderful heaven is. Okay? And that's fine. That's good. Good thing. Here's those angels looking down at earth and these demons, which we, are believe, we believe are the, the spirits from these Nephilim, these, these, which are the, the creations of this angel, woman, you know, daughter of men, creations, the giants that were in the land, and what happens to the, they're not from heaven, they're not of heaven, and they're not of earth, so they're the, that is where the demonic comes from. That's where demons come from. 
I'm so grateful to get an answer to that finally. It's always like they're fallen angels. No, no, that's a whole other category. That's something else. And what do they always want to do? Inhabit people. Why is that? Because that, that is what they're, they're half of. They're, they're not from heaven. They're not. And, and so, so here, angels, angelic, several, they're looking. That original Nakash in the garden, he hated the man and the woman because he hated what God had created and put them in. You should see the little boys in our neighborhood. I love our neighborhood. It's just growing and it has all these neat elements about it. It's just awesome. And now Jace is old enough. He's playing with Shiloh and Lincoln and, and, uh, and Harvey. And, you know, the game's on. And there could be a little truck in the sandbox that no one's played with for a week and a half. But let the neighbor boys come over, pick it up, and ah, mine, mine. My, like, you know, meltdown, major, like, whoa, you know, we're losing altitude. <sighs> Here's the, we don't think about this. This Nakash looked at what they had and who they were, and he hated them. It was evil, it was horrible. Who put him in charge? That was the question. Who put him there? He's in this position, and, and there's something's birth in him. However this works, I don't have language. I'm just doing the best I can with understanding it myself. But it helps fill in some blanks. Hated them. If he loved God and he loved what God made, he would be like, these are, this is part of the family. This is the earthly family, and I'm, I'm here to protect them from anything. But instead, he decides to deceive them. For what purpose? He doesn't hurt them. He just gets them to violate the one commandment the Lord gives them. Don't eat from this tree. And on purpose, he deceives Eve and gets her to eat from it. What was that? It was high treason. To get her to fall from her state to get the man and the woman to fall from that place. That's what Satan wants to do. He doesn't give a rip where you end up. He just wants to make God look. He wants to get at God. It gives you a whole different perspective of your life, doesn't it? When you're feeling that assault and stuff's coming, just think about this for a moment. The enemy's laying it. This is war, yeah? It is war. It's hard. You're walking along, dippity doo doll. what can go wrong? And bam, oh, that can go wrong. And then you're mad at God for what happened. It's like, it's war. Our whole country, we're like, could you believe what, what you're looking at right now? Could you ever conceive that in a million years? And then, and then understanding the enemy wants to push the timeline, push the timeline, push the time. I think he wants the earth. I think he wants the planet. That's what I've come to the conclusion. He wants us off of here. He wants this. They want this. But it's God's and it's ours. Game's on. You're going to fight? 
Are you going to allow him to win? All you have to do is stand with the Lord. Trust in him. Stay in a place. Like, wow. I'm just like, and this is, this is that thing. When, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? As for me and my house, heck yeah, you'll find faith on the earth. Yeah. I'm going to press in. I'm going to stir up my gifts. I'm going to stir up my stuff. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to let this flow. I'm going to learn. I've been lackadaisical in a lot of areas, and I can't afford to be. There's a, there's a war and a battle going on that I don't even know how to fight in this stupid thing. But that's okay because God has a promise. Here, get into me. Get in my shadow. Get in my covering. Pay attention to what I'm telling you. I shared this from Amanda uh, Grace last week. Pay attention. Ask the Lord, what do you want me to do right now in this season, in this interim, while stuff's playing out that you really don't have any control over, while stuff's playing out, ask the Lord, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing today? And she had this cutest little grin on her face. She goes, you just don't know how important that may be. You just won't know. But that's all God ever needs from us is to believe and to obey. And to ask, Lord, what do you, what's my place? Stir up your gift. We've got to get, we've got to get spiritual. Johnny Enlow also said this. He said, a hundred years ago, one in 67 people on the planet were Christians. Now, one in three proclaim Jesus. And one of ten of those is spirit-filled. I've got the power. So, you know, we are equipped. We've got the stuff. Engage it. Turn on the turbo. Stir up the afterburner. Be powerful. I'm like, I'm, I'm watching over. I always talk about this, but I watch over my thoughts in that first awaking moment, you know? And like, as quickly as I can, I move to a confession and a declar a profession. I just start talking to the Lord and talking good stuff. No matter how I heavy or whatever I wake up with, fighting, struggling, dreams, like it's just been, and it's been hard lately. There's a lot of darkness to fight over, like it's there. And, and so as quickly as I can, I just move. I start uttering, just thankful, grateful, get up, I move. And I'm a slow, you know, waker-upper, you know, like, yeah. And, and, but but I, I begin as quickly as I can and going after things and, and, and claiming who I am and disregarding my age and my stuff. And it's really, it makes a difference. It really, really, it really, really makes a difference. And, and look at this language here in, in chapter 18 um, when he gets down to below uh, verse Verse 6, the Lord continued, do you hear what the ungodly judge said? And he says, don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? What does that take? Like, we, we, need, we know we need to pray and intercede, but why don't you? Can I submit you may not believe yet what the results are? Because if you believed, you'd buy it now. <laughs> You do it now. You you do it. You do it as an alternative to the other stuff you do, to the complaining and to the hopelessness and to the whatever and whatever we do. There are actually just a few things that are 
useful. Most, a lot of what we do aren't check out, watch television, like, oh, I need a break from life. It's all fine in its place, but, but we, we've, we've got to engage. There's a war on, like, when you walk, pray. When you, ex- when you work, pray. Like, I, I still, I just love to be able to work and be doing something with my hands and be able to listen to something edifying or pray or, you know, I talk, talk, talk to the Lord. And, and work this stuff out and interact with him. Enter into that, that intimacy. He'll pour out his spirit upon them. He will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. This ridiculous widow, uh, in, in our versions, the word, uh, I think, in the King James, New King James, importunate. She's just ridiculously persistent. We would not like this person. Oh, she starts, she starts bugging you. She won't, she won't let up. She'll, she wants something, you just, you know, blah, 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 until she gets it. And God's like, that's not a bad quality. Y'all could use some of that. Get your insistence on. Go after heaven that way. We're like, well, I don't want to be presumptions. My gosh! This is life and death, and you're a son, you're a daughter. My daughter still doesn't mind asking me for what she wants, and I love it. My grandson has no apology asking. What will I do to... Woke up yesterday, I want popcorn all day long. Ashley says, he's wanting popcorn. I said, bring him over. We'll have popcorn. (laughs) Done. I'll make the mess and everything. Doesn't matter. Like, because what? Because I love to give him good gifts when he's just asking because I know Papa can do it. You know, like, well, of course I can. Your father in heaven's just like that. Get over yourself. Get, listen, when you're in that whiny place, you're acting like an orphan. Are you an orphan? An orphan has no mama and no dada. That's what an orphan is. Is that you? Honestly, is that you? When you act like that, that's orphan mentality. Or when you're striving for things as if you'll never get it from the Lord, that's orphan mentality. Orphans act like that. If they want something, they got to fight for it, kill for it, steal for it. Because this is how you get things in life. But sons, no. They go to their father with belief and expectation that he will give them good gifts at the right time. That's a good father, right? Good gifts at the right time. Doesn't give us things that are dangerous t- until we're ready for them. And a lot of good, there's a lot of good things that are dangerous until you're ready for them, right? Yeah. You don't want growth. You don't want responsibility until you're ready for it. You don't want growth until you're, you're ready for it. Because any of those things before you're ready and you've got your feet on the ground, they'll destroy you, won't they? Money before you're ready for it will Eat your lunch. I know, we don't like talking about that. It will. It will. 
It brings with it other things. It brings with it other things. I'm not going to belabor this today, but I'm going to pray a prayer over you. Um, I went into Ephesians, and now, of course, we prayed this a lot, like the prayer times, and um, in Ephesians 1, 17, etc. And uh, But I, I revisited my Passion Translation, and then I wrote it out and made it like a prayer instead of just reading it. And uh, I'm going to, I want to read that over you today. And then at the end of it, there in the same passage, just follows the scripture, there's a declaration. And um, I'm going to invite you to come up. Like, I don't know if there's anybody to put music on, but. Oh, yeah, you're back there, Adam. Good. I was afraid you left the building. As an act of faith, I'm going to invite you to come up and receive a prayer. And just, just take it in. If you believe that the prayer can change things. And it's the prayer about getting light and the spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is packed full of the stuff we need. This is packed full of everything we need for life and godliness and how to run our households and how to deal with with the issues of the day. It's full of that. This is a prayer that reaches into that. This is what Apostle Paul is praying for his new believers, the, the people at this church. And he just writes and he just throws this out to them. Here's what I'm praying for you. Here's how he, he reveals how he's praying for them. Because if you get this stuff, you'll be fine. You'll overcome. You won't fall away. You'll be a winner, not a loser. You'll be an overcomer, not a victim. You won't fall into Satan's traps because, baby, he wants to get you. Because he hates God. He wants to get God in a bad position with you. If he possibly can. That's what the game is. So come forward. I want to pray this over you. I step out a little bit. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Yeah? So amen. As I step out in faith, I want you to receive this in faith. Just open up your heart. Believe this will make a difference. Father of glory, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, impart to these the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know you through their deepening intimacy with you. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of their imagination, flooding them with light until their experiences, till they experience the full revelation of the hope of your calling. That is the wealth of your glorious inheritance in them, your holy ones. 
I pray that they will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of your power made available to them through faith. That their life lives will be an advertisement of your immense power as it works through them. This is the mighty power that was released when you raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. Now I'd like, this is a declaration, we're just gonna keep on going, but I would like for you to repeat this with me, uh, or after I say it. And now you are exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power that is in existence you are gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. Amen. Father, just receive these declarations. I just ask that you'll manifest the effect of these prayers in our lives that we will be impacted by your spirit, that we will come alive, that we will come alive, that we will come alive, that dry bones, can these dry bones come together? Can they come to life again? Yes, in you, anything can happen, anything can come. If you say it will be, it will. Father, regardless of our age, regardless of our obstacles, regardless of our past, I ask for a fresh restart today, a fresh uh, anointing to believe and to pursue and to identify what you're calling us to do, what you're calling us to believe, that we'll be in fullness, filled with fullness. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs>